So we are talking about the core of the Christian faith with the reference to the Apostles' Creed. So for the past two weeks, so we have been talking about God and the divinity of Jesus Christ. Today, we are going to talk about the sufferings of Jesus Christ. The Apostles' Creed describes Jesus' suffering like this. It says, Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Considering the divinity of Jesus we shared last week, these verses we are now reading are quite shocking because it is saying that Jesus, who has a divinity equal to God, suffered from Pontius Pilate, died on the cross, and was buried. I think from a human point of view, this is an event where God was killed by a human. Therefore, it is a very difficult event to understand from a, a general religious point of view. Because this crucifixion is not found in any other religions. It is a unique event of the Christian faith. And it is also the most important event as well. In order for us to understand that this crucifixion, I believe we must first have a correct definition and understanding of, of sin. Are you agree with that? Yeah. Even as a Christian, we are a Christian, talking about sin would not be so pleasant, right? I think so. I think Pastor Scott gave this topic to me and went on vacation. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Eric's going to preach the resurrection next week. So it's, it will be very delightful, joyful. But yeah, I need to talk about cross and sin. Yes. So let's talk about sin first. Let's start with a very simple question about sin. I think I, I, this is the question I, I can give you. Why does the Bible consider humans to be sinners? What is the meaning of the claim that man is a sinner? This discussion of sin is not very pleasant, as I mentioned already. However, just as we need a diagnosis of disease before discussing the cure of disease, we must diagnose our sin before discussing the solution of sin. If you remember the spring training camp of life I preached last time, I'm sure you will understand how important this diagnostic process is. According to the Bible, humans are simple beings. The Bible declares to us that all human beings have sinned. Apostle said in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, he says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Wow. Let's be a little bit more honest. I believe not one of us will ever be able to say, I'm perfect. Yeah, sometimes I say it to my kids for joke. But anyway, I've never sinned. I've always felt right. I've never been wrong. I've never criticized anyone. The next one would be really strong. I've never hated anyone. 
However, the most of our understanding of sin is the moral level. So you might be able to say, okay, I admit that all human beings, great or small, have sinned. But is it that much of a problem that human beings have sinned? Is human sin such a serious problem? I think this is a very valid question. For these questions make us realize that we need to distinguish between the phenomenon of sin and the nature of sin. When we think of ourselves as sinners, we usually pay attention to the phenomenal aspect of sin. Phenomenal sin means a sin that manifests itself in concrete terms. What is committed in words or actions is a phenomenal sin. The Bible speaks of essential sin beyond manifest sins. Essential sin means bringing about phenomenal sin. What the Bible calls into question is an original sin, an essential sin. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the apostle said, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Because by living God the Creator, man was cut off from God, the source of life. This is an essential sin. This is the original sin. Man has sinned and fell into a life cut off from God. This is an event of living, life and entering the realm of the death at the same time. When you enter the realm of death, you are affected by the laws that govern that realm. The Apostle Paul tells us how powerful the law of death is. In Romans chapter 7, verse 18 to 24, it's a little bit long, but I want to read this one. It says, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Sounds familiar? But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love Gosler with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and this is what the Apostle tells about the nature of sin by using himself as an example. C.S. Lewis is quite famous for now for us. C.S. Lewis, he said in his book, Mere Christianity, he says this, If there are rats in the cellar, you are mostly like to see them. If you go in, very certainly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the provocation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only shows me 
what an ill-tempered man I am. Do you agree with that? Yes. And also, Pastor Timothy Keller says in his book, The Reason for God, he said, sin is the desperate refusal to find your deepest identity in your relationship and service to God. Sin is a seeking to become oneself to get an identity apart from Him, apart from our Creator. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, a first Paul said, Once you were dead because of your disobedience, and you were many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work and the heart of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires, inclination of our simple nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. We were dead because of our sins. He said, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's the truth. That's the fact what sin affects to our life. The Bible keeps telling us very firmly about the nature and consequence of sin. So, do you think can humans solve their own problems, especially problem of sin? The problem of life are caused by man's departure from God, which limits man's resources and abilities. It is a sin to cut ourselves off from the life and resources that come from God. And this sin creates human problems. It is a logical contradiction to think that human beings can solve life's problems caused by their limited resources with their limited resources. If we had the resources and strength to save ourselves, there would be no situation in which we would ask for help. I can say that salvation cannot come from man, cannot solve, cannot come from man himself. Salvation cannot come from man himself. It is the fact that there is no fundamental power in human beings to overcome sin. This is because man is the object of the salvation, not the subject of salvation. We are sinners in need of redemption. To understand the redemption, I mentioned redemption. To understand redemption, we need to see an overview of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. Have you ever seen the, the pictures, what the priests do in Old Testament to kill the animals and then burn it, everything? Have you ever seen the pictures or something? I didn't bring it. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I better. Anyway, but even though we don't do that right now, but I think we need to understand what they did in Old Testament. To cover sin, the sacrificial lamb needed to be without blemish, and its blood had to be shed 
Practically every sacrifice includes sprinkling or smearing of blood, teaching that redemption involves life for life. The high priest not only had to offer an animal for the people's sin, but he also had to offer one for his own sin first. But all this is to seek God's forgiveness for our sins. If he accepts this process, we will be redeemed. Pastor Timothy Keller says about the forgiveness in his book, The Risen to God. He says, forgiveness means refusing to make them pay for what they did. However, to refrain from lashing out at one someone when you want to do, so with all your being is agony. It is a form of suffering. You not only suffer the original loss of happiness, reputation, and opportunity, but now you forego the consolation of inflicting the same on them. You are observing the death, taking the cost of completely on yourself instead of taking it out of the other person. It hurts terribly. Many people would say it feels like a kind of death. Anyone agree with this one? Have you ever do this? Forgive? It's last July 5th, two weeks ago, I guess, was the 11th anniversary of my father's moving to heaven. And one thing I remember is I can say I learned clearly what forgiveness is through my father. When my younger, I have just only one younger brother, no sister. When my younger brother was in his late 20s, he went bankrupt after running his own business. We had never experienced kind of what is the actually bankrupt means, but at the time we realized it is huge, it is bigger than what we thought. As a result, he was going through very difficult times. Most of the difficulties were financial, and my brother had no ability to solve them. But one day, my father sold his house and paid off all my brother's debts. Then my father moved into a very small, old, shabby apartment. The apartment was a place to pay rent. A few years later, my father was hospitalized for a long time due to a chronic illness. But my brother did not go to see him for a long time because he felt very sorry for father. Perhaps my brother believes he did not deserve to appear before his father. But just one week before I came to Canada, on a Saturday morning, I remember, my brother went to the hospital to see father and the meeting took place in the hospital lobby. My father looked at the son in a wheelchair, said, why did it take you so long to come to see me, son? And he hugged him for a very long, long time. I will never forget that moment. And at that moment, I've learned what forgiveness is to my father's life. He paid all 
and also to forgive my brother already. Just he didn't know that. Apostle says in Romans chapter five, verse six to eleven. This is the today's scripture. I want to invite to read this all together in one voice this morning, because you are so quiet. So I think we need to make some noise. Can you read this with me? Okay. Okay. It will be in here. Let's read this in one voice. Okay. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just right time. And died for us sinners, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son. While we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, our High Priest, was sinless. And offered himself as the one who would die for our sins, not his own, for he had none. In Old Testament, the animal sacrifices were foreshadowing of the Lamb of God. The sacrifices were in seed form, what the Lord Jesus did in a fully developed form later on. The blood of God, goats and sheep, covered the sin. The blood of Jesus removed it completely. He could give his life in our places because he was sinless. We were purchased at great price. A silver or gold had nothing to do with it. Our sacrifice, dying once and for all, was the spotless Lamb of God. Blood had to be shed. If the blood of animals would have done the job, God would never. Have sent his son. Someone has called it the terrible price of the priceless blood. But he came, sinless, willing, one for all, once and for all. Redemption. At this point, we might have another question to you. No. I might. Why? Why did God not just proclaim forgiveness? Why did Almighty God not just proclaim forgiveness, but let Jesus Christ die for that sin? The gospel is the fact that Jesus died for me and rose again. You need to know. You need to know what for me means here. According to God's law. All who have sinned must be punished for their sin, as we know. Here is the pity of God. God wanted His creation to prosper, but man has sinned. God wants to save sinners, and at the same time, 
He wants to respect the law of justice that he has already established. So God decides to take away beyond the imagination of creation. It was God Himself saving His creature, choosing to become the sacrifice of the law. God took the method of atonement for the sins of all people by sending the sinless Jesus Christ, knowing that human strength is beyond salvation. He determined to save us by sending the Son of God as a man to sacrifice. Because of that, Apostle John, he summarized this all process of God for human being in John chapter 3, verse 16, 17. He said, For God so loved the word that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the word through him. I believe before Jesus came into this world, there was only one path laid out for the mankind. All human beings have no choice but to pay the penalty for their sins and die. Now through Jesus Christ, the path set before mankind has been forked. The first is the path that human beings who have not entered into Jesus' walk. Regardless of the coming of Jesus, they are punished for their sins and go down paths of death. It is a way of living his life without any relationship to Christ. As if Jesus had not been born. The second is the way to experience the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross with him. A new way is open to those who are in Jesus. This is because the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ saves us. We all suffer the punishment with Jesus so that our old selves die and we gain new life in resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those who abide in Jesus have the walk of forgiveness of sins and the walk of justification. I like what C.S. Lewis said in his book. He said, The almost impossible hard thing is to hand over your whole self to Christ. Do you agree with this? Have you ever tried? I hope everyone did. My experience? Yes, it is really, 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 really difficult. But he keeps saying, but, there's always but, but, it is far easier than what we are all trying to do instead. For what we are trying to do is remain what we call ourselves. Our personal happiness centered on money or pleasure or ambition. And hoping, despite this, to behave honestly, chastely, and humbly. And that is exactly what Christ warned us you cannot do. If I am a grass field, all the cutting will keep the grass less, but won't produce wit. If I want wit, I must be thought up and resown. I would like to finish today's sermon with the words of the book of Hebrew. 
in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 2, 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with the perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing out our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such a position from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So my final question is, are you one of a great cloud of witness of Jesus Christ? Do you believe forgiveness? Do you believe the crucifixion? Do you believe Jesus died for your sin? And we will gather redemption. And then we'll be a great, one of the great cloud of witness of Christ. Amen? Amen. For next Sunday, you will listen about resurrection. It will be very joyful and <laughs> delightful, I guess, than today. But to move to resurrection, you have to have a correct understanding about crucifixion first.